Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Good morning. My name is Troy, and this is my wife, Sydney. Uh, God brought the clay lines into our life several years ago, and we're extremely grateful for that. Uh, I have breakfast with Jer several times a year, which uh, is what qualifies you to read scripture, apparently. Uh, so that means that majority of this room is also eligible to read scripture. So, Sydney, this morning we'll read from 1 Peter 4. Good morning. I am going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 to 19. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. The word of the Lord. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, first off, I don't have enough money in my budget at home to take you all out for breakfast, but if we want to space it all out, we can make this happen. Um, plus, I like to eat breakfast. So if you want to turn your Bibles, First uh, Peter chapter 4. Okay, who's excited to talk about suffering today? Yay! All right, good, me too. Okay, uh, honored and privileged. I want to first thank Pastor Rick for sharing a couple weeks ago. It was a huge blessing. Um, he went back and recorded it because we were just working on a couple things, so that'll be up soon. I can't wait to listen to it. Uh, plus, my family is always thankful just to be away together, and so thank you for filling in and being a part of that. Uh, over the next couple weeks, so we're obviously meeting today in two weeks. Uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about kind of where we're headed as a church. It's just kind of laying out what eldership looks like. We're going to talk about church structure. Uh, Amy Thurston from Hope Inspire Love is going to be here, and also we're going to talk about how we as a church are going to continue to invest. Uh, right now, it's going to be trying to bless our community. Community, and then we'll work towards partnerships. So we'll talk about over the next couple weeks. So uh, mainly uh, two Sundays from now, I hope you're here. It'll be a good time and we'll have lots to talk about that day. So uh, I want to read verse uh, 12 to start with. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery child when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Now, 
Maybe it's me, but I read scripture and a lot of times, uh, first and foremost, I, I, I hear myself in it. And what that means is I didn't write it. I didn't do any of that, but I just kind of laugh sometimes at scripture because as I read this, it's Paul kind of being like, I told you so. Does everybody know about I told you so? Like you should know this, right? Uh, and so if you, how many of you have ever been around somebody that likes to say, I told you so? All right, good. There's some of us, okay? Uh, Many of us, okay, let me ask this question. How many of you think you're right most of the time? Ah, good. That's good. Yes, that's right. Okay, so this is for you because you can know immediately if the gospel's at work in your life if you don't say, I told you so, as often as you think it. Right? The Holy Spirit's at work because this is what happens. Um... You could probably think of a time where somebody told you those words. And can anybody tell me a time where somebody said, I told you so, and it went well? Anytime. Like never, right? Like it's never, like if you ever say those words, even if you try to reword them in a certain different way, like it's never going to go well if you say, I told you so, and the person's going to be like, oh my word, I'm so glad you reminded me that you told me the truth a long time ago and I didn't follow you, right? And maybe you're like me, especially because if you think you're right a good bit of the time and you know that you were right and you said this before, you have an internal debate that looks like this. I really need to tell you I told you so, right? You've, anybody else had that internal debate? Yes, thank you. I, that, see, right, there's some of us we're going, oh, I could just, I just need to say it. Everybody's going to feel better if I tell you I told you so, and then we all can remind you that I'm right for the next time because I told you so, right? Right. I always giggle like a little bit when I read the Bible and you find moments like this where Paul, it would seem, Paul is like saying, hello, why would you consider this a surprise? Now, the truth of the gospel is, right, Paul's not, it's not a guilt statement. Instead, it's a healthy reminder to go, hey, get your eyes on Jesus, right? But all of us, every single one of us could take that verse, put it on our fridge and read it consistently because all of us are working through things that we would say are not fun, correct? Amen? All right. So when I, when me personally, when I was thinking of this fiery trial, right, I had read this and I had this picture of like a large circle around me and 10 foot flames and me looking for like a cool barrel roll to get out of it. Does anybody else process scripture like that? Good. Just me. Okay. But let's pull out the simple truth here. Why am I surprised when I go through trials? Why am I surprised? For me, I'm usually surprised because I'm really comfortable, right? I'm surprised when I go through trials because I'm really comfortable in my life. A while back, I told you about how much I love a recliner and my goal someday is to have a recliner. But if I'm in the recliner of my life, okay, I'm kicked back, nothing. It's not that I'm resting. Resting is good. I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm surprised when I go through trials because here's the truth. Many of us grew up around scripture. You know scripture. I know scripture. I know that this is a broken body. It's going to let me down. That means physical pain will happen, right? We know the truth, okay? I know scripture. 
You know scripture. We know that sin happens. Anybody surprised by that? Right? That means relationships will be injured and pain will be inflicted. Are we surprised? Okay. And I know scripture, yet I'm constantly annoyed by other people. Maybe that's just me. So this is what happens, I think, maybe in some people's life. It may be in mine too. This is how I see this, is I either use scripture for my own benefit, like a Jesus shield. Anybody heard of the Jesus shield before? It's like this all-encompassing bubble that you're like, nothing can touch me, I'm with Jesus. No, I should never feel pain because I know Jesus. Anybody else know anybody like that? Like bodily sickness, that can't happen. I'm with Jesus. Sin, nope. That was the devil, doesn't happen. Brokenness, never happens in our relationships, doesn't happen to anybody we know. I got Jesus. Anybody know anything about that? You know people that play that card? Right. But if we use scripture like this, we fuel that thought process that I'm untouchable because I claim Jesus. It's like a Jesus get out of a trial free card, right? Anybody know about those? The struggle with this though is when trials become bigger than we can control and handle, then we throw ourselves a faith-based pity party. You know what I'm talking about? You see, most trials you and I can work through. We have enough resources. We have enough things. We have enough uh, safety nets in our lives. We have enough things that we can work through those trials just on our own. And we become self-reliant and not reliant on God. Right? You with me? Yay, we're talking about suffering today. Hey, right? But what happens then is when the trial gets bigger than the thing that I can control that I can't outwork, I go, God, how could you do this to me? God, what? How? God, God, seriously, don't you know? I've been working my tail off over here. You see, you might have seen this happen. We can outwork most of the hard moments of our lives. But finally, something comes along that we can't fix and we lose our minds because our faith wasn't centered in Jesus. It was centered in what I can do. Right? You catch me? He said, God, I followed you for all of this time. God, I did all of these things. God, look what I did. God, I, look at all the things. I go into church 52 straight Sundays. God, can't you see when the reality of the situation is the person through their entire lives into finding their identity at work or you had an acceptable behavior that you could easily explain away, right? How many of us know people, right? We know people that find their identity their full identity in work. And that work has produced resources that then they can get out of situations or they can control and manipulate situations. Or they explain away their sin because it's not that bad. I'm just coping with this. Right? We still friends? Okay. All right. So 
sometimes the situations we're going through, and I'm going to give you a list, okay, of stuff I've seen. It's not an exhaustive list, but we're going to give you a list of things that are potential trials, things that are going through, okay? And I started to put together, this is just what I've seen, so it's not all of them, okay? It's up there. Number one, our broken bodies cause us trial, right? Physical sickness. Many of us have been devastated by physical sickness either in ourselves or people close to us, right? Our bodies aren't working the way we think they should, so we go, God, what are you doing right now? Yeah? And if we wanted to get fun, we could all go, oh yeah, I know either myself or somebody real close to me, okay? Number two, broken relationships. Either what was done to us or by us has caused all kinds of trials in people's life, correct? Okay, number three, God uses trials for spiritual growth. Yay! He's either calling someone to himself or to more of him or reminding us of stuff that is his and we've latched onto. Let me go backwards. Spiritual growth. He uses trials for spiritual growth. He's calling uh, someone to himself. He's calling us to more of him or he's calling us to let go of something that we've held on way too tightly and we've made an idol. Yeah? Okay. I'm going to switch four and five. Number five, own decisions. I've made plenty of my own decisions that have caused myself trials and I've even tried to blame those things on other people. Yeah? Do you know what I'm talking about? I make a bad decision I cause heartache and then I blame somebody else. We've seen it in the garden at the very beginning, right? So those are some of the trials. And the last one is persecution. And I should have flipped them up there on the list. But one of the things I either sharing about Jesus or standing for him, which is a very difficult topic right now in the times we live, those cause persecution to us. And one of the things we want to make sure when we're reading this section of scripture is going, this is actually probably talking a large portion of us standing for him, not necessarily the relational trials that we're going through. Make sense? Okay. So sometimes the situations we're going through, though, are part of some of those lists. It happens so often, you know, we blame God for our brokenness. Uh, we blame the God, God for the brokenness of others. And yet I want you to hear this, okay? This is important and it's a big sentence, so stick with me. The same freedom that we use to choose him or our sin, we use to separate ourselves from him when people do not treat us the way we deem appropriate. I'll give you an example and I'll come back to the sentence. A person we love rejects us, whatever that looks like. We invested time, effort, energy. We've done all of these things and then they reject us. And we say, God, how could they? And yet the same freedom that they have to reject us and we get mad about, God, how could this happen? We use to reject our savior. See it? That's deep. Hurts my head thinking about it. 
But the reminder there is going, that's where he's at and he's constantly calling us to himself. The same sin that I cause here amongst my people, amongst my friends, is the same sin that I choose to reject him and he's constantly saying, I love you, come home. I love you, come back. I'm here, I love you, come home. That's not going to fill, come home. My point is this, we need Jesus to help us see what we're going through. Especially if life's a pie chart of this suffering and you've got pieces of each one of those and there's more than I listed, I'm sure. But we need Jesus to see us, help us see what we're going through. He knows all things, so why wouldn't I want to hear from him? And in the same breath, I need people in my life that love Jesus and are going to tell me the truth with grace. That's what we're about. Here's what I can give you an example. You ever gone through a situation and at the end of the situation, a friend tells you, you already learned the lesson, you already dealt with it. They're like, yeah, I saw that a bunch of times. I saw that three months ago. Ever been through something like that? And you're like, well, why didn't you tell me? And you're like, you are real bitter. You're real angry. I didn't know how this was going to go. None of you get bitter, right? None of you get bitter. But how many times in our lives, right, do we see something similar where we get through a situation and people that we know know us, right, go, I'm really sorry. I should have told you I saw that three months ago. And so my point is this, is we can easily choose the heartache of the trial of what we're going through and completely live in it and not allow the people that God has allowed us to speak into our lives to actually tell us. I've been there. I'm so dead set. This is an issue. This person's the problem. This is the issue. And then somebody goes, hey, if you just turn just slightly out of your bitterness, out of your anger, you'll see Jesus. Again, that's not you, that's me. I don't know where that's gonna be for you guys, but verse 13, okay? That was a long first one. I promise it won't go the rest way. All right, but rejoice insofar as uh, you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. One of the things uh, we can when we talk about the sufferings is we can either choose our decision on how we want to handle these things, or we can follow what Peter is calling us to, to rejoice in so far as that you share Christ's sufferings. Now, here's a question for you. Anybody believe that they suffer well? I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I'm not sure what I'm, I'm, I'm a wuss. There's the word I was looking for. I am not able to suffer well, right? A man cold puts me down for weeks. It's just not pretty, right? And, and that's not even suffering. But how often, right? How often do we suffer well? And yet we know stories, we could probably point to stories in people's lives where they're going so, through brutal circumstances and they're choosing Jesus, right? St things we couldn't even understand. I'll give you an example. Every time we talk to people about foster care, okay? It's brutal. It's hard. But they go, I couldn't do that. And I'm saying, I'm not saying you can't or you can. I'm saying that's for Jesus to decide. Right? Many of us know per people personally that as their bodies are dying, 
they are actually growing closer to Jesus. Many of us have people right now that we know that their bodies are breaking down and yet they're seeing Jesus more and choosing him more often. So let me pause here though. Especially for some of you who may not be real good at comforting someone, okay? This is not the phrase you want to start the conversation with. You should rejoice. Come on, everybody. You should rejoice. You're going through it. You're okay. If you want to get punched, I would say start with that, right? Because what happens is a lot of times as Christians, we're not sure what to say. We think we should say something. So we throw out a Christian cliche. And then we don't actually care for the person, right? But Paul, or, uh, Paul is calling, or Peter, I'm sorry, Peter's calling us to rejoice in this and saying, there is actually a possibility of what you're going through that you can actually rejoice in this. And most of us go, you don't know how hard this is. So let's go backwards. I will be frustrated with trials when my priorities are my comfort. I will be frustrated with my trials when prior, my priorities are my comfort. In that same breath, we don't believe that we can rejoice in our pain because we don't believe our, or because we do believe our pain is bigger than our savior. If what you're working through is bigger than your view of your savior, you've found the problem. Know what I mean? So our view of God comes into view when we respond to the moments of our lives that we cannot control. He's either bigger or he's smaller. Our view of God comes into view when we respond to the moments of our lives that we cannot control. He's either bigger or smaller. One of the easiest ways to grow in our faith is allowing the spirit to change our hearts from God, how could you, to I'm tied to my savior. So we want to take a step. You, we're like, okay, I understand there's a trial. Want to take a step? Our step would be moving from God, how could you, to God, I'm going to choose you. The only way I've seen this in practice is saying it over and over and over again. God, I claim you. He is king. I trust him. He is king. I trust him. Verse 14 so a question for many of us, have I taken a step of faith that caused any kind of persecution? Okay, I struggle with this question, okay? I don't know if I could easily point to a moment where I took a step of faith that caused actual persecution. People have ignored me. People have glossed over the sentence, but I don't know if I've ever actually taken a step of faith where I've caught, received persecution. It may be coming sooner rather than later. We don't know, right? But my question is, for me, is there times where the Holy Spirit was pushing me to take a step of faith and I went backwards? I might not have received persecution, I don't know, but I just hid. So I'm telling you, as the pastor, there are plenty of moments in my life where I heard the Holy Spirit speak and I just cowered backwards. So many of us as Christians, 
we've done some of those first three kinds of suffering. We've been a part of it. Uh, we even done them well and tell incredible stories of who our Savior is. I've been challenged with how little I have experienced suffering for standing for Jesus. And I think a lot of times we worry about the church. It's partially because we don't actually, we're, well, I'm going to speak for me. I'm actually afraid of taking a step of faith. So there's no point to the spear of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Yeah? We're still friends? I trust you. In my life, that usually look like, looks like the times I think the Spirit is asking me to do something and I'm trying to shush it with my entire self. Again, maybe that hasn't happened to you, but I know there's the Holy Spirit speaking to us and saying, hey, just take a step right here. Hey, go talk to that person. Hey, just go, just take one little step. And a lot of times in my life, I'm smushing it so far down. And so what I do is I shush the Holy Spirit. And what I do is I make my own little kingdom. And so our actions, verse 15, should not be the same as the rest of the world, right? I'm going to read verse 15. Um, but let no one of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. I think most of us could probably cross most of that off the list except for meddler. I know a couple meddlers. My mom's one, right? Our actions should not be the same as the rest of the world. Our suffering should not be because we act like everyone else. Often we have trials because we're acting like everyone else, not from receiving persecution, right? Instead, they should be friction that's caused by showing the love of Jesus. If you show the love of Jesus in many of your contexts, there's probably going to be friction that exists, right? If you show people unconditional love, that's going to confuse people. If you show grace in a situation that is completely confusing to somebody else, if you show mercy in a way that is not understandable, those things are moments where you go, there's actually going to be friction there, right? That's the hope that he gives. That's the head lifting to this whole thing is going we're actually taking a step closer to the Savior. Verse 16, suffering. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is the time for judgment, verse 17, to begin in a, the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the word? Suffering and his glory seem to go hand in hand. This is why our values are what they are. In order for me to actually follow the Bible, I have to trust and believe that Jesus is bigger and worth more than all the stuff that I can stack here. I have to believe that. A lot of us are blessed. We have so many things. We have so many opportunities, so many relationships. And I have to constantly remind myself God is bigger and more important than those. I have to trust and believe that Jesus is bigger and worth more than all the stuff I can have here. This is why church hurt can be so difficult. You see, if we call people to an organization and not Jesus, when the organization fails you, we get to, in, we incur pain because of all the time and effort and energy that we gave. Jesus is the hope of the world, not the church. The church is here to encourage each other, point each other to Jesus, to call each other to him and more of him. 
Jesus is our hope. 717 is not your hope. It will fail you. I will fail you. Jesus will not. So verse 19 is why this is, and this is like, okay, Jerry, thanks for all this encouraging words. I really love you. Verse 19 says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Our savior is big, big enough to handle our disappointments, our sufferings, all of our feelings as we work through those things, but it requires me and you to turn to him. He's bigger. He can handle your frustration. He can handle your anger while you're working out. He can handle those things, but you must turn to him. Otherwise, bitterness sets in, all kinds of things, right? That's why verse 19 is the most hope-filled statement that we can live into. When we focus on Jesus instead of our trial, when we allow the spirit to change our heart, when we trust that we can trust the creator and that he will use all things to bring him glory, these are all submission statements that lead us to a life focused on Jesus, right? When we focus on Jesus instead of our trial, when we allow the spirit to start to change our heart, when we trust that we can trust the creator and that we will use, he will use all things to bring him glory, those are submission statements to a life turned over to him. So every time here, we, we finish with this. We finish with just a couple questions that we work through, okay? And so the heart here is going, we're gonna give a minute to just kind of walk through this. And Jaden, if you wanna cue up a song, that would be great. Uh, we'll play it just for a minute or two. But I wanna walk through the questions and then give us a second to pause and let God just speak. And then we'll close in prayer, okay? So here's the question number one. How has suffering gone for you in the past? What's it like? What was it like? How does that compare to kind of what we've talked about? What about now? What about right this moment? I could look across this room and many of us are walking through situations we didn't want or we didn't know. And we're working to be able to be that spot where we're gonna go, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. How are you doing? How's this going? Okay, number two, <laughs> they're all ones. How did that happen? That's amazing. Do, any, do you have anyone in your life that will tell you the full truth? Guys, this is a gut question. Many of us have people in our lives. Many of us have friends, but we have never actually invited someone in to tell us the truth about what's going on in our lives. You got to trust them. I understand that. But inviting someone in is the only way that changes. And then when they say something, you can't throw a temper tantrum. Do you know what I mean? The problem is most of us are silos in a body instead of the functioning body. Right? Number one, three, I guess. <laughs> what situations, sufferings, have you buried and need to allow Jesus to move? Again, many of us have been friends for a period of time. There are things I know that you know that you buried because you never dealt with. Or you're going through and you just keep burying it. Jesus wants those. 
And last but not least, this is what I want to start as a church. If none of this resonates with you, we are a part of the body of Christ. And so every week we're going to have a local church that at the very least we can be praying for this week. And so many of you take out your phone, you take pictures of these questions, is we want to be praying for the churches around this way because we believe there's plenty of room in all of our churches for the people that Jesus is coming for. Right? And so we want to have space to say at the very least, maybe this isn't resonating, this is where you're at, but we're going to pray for LEFC this week. And so each week at the end, there'll be a church around the way. They're, none of them are perfect. Instead, they're saying, we love Jesus and we're going after it. Does that make sense? Okay, you ready? All right, we're going to give it a minute. You can take a second, spend some time in prayer. I'll come back up and we'll pray and we'll close this thing out. Father God, thank you for who you are. And so, Father, uh, as we walk through the moments of life, Father, first and foremost, we want to recognize you as king. And, Father, just that statement alone is really hard. But we're thankful that you give us a spirit that moves in us, that changes us, that calls us to more of you. But, Father, we ask uh, in this moment, Father, if we're going through some trials right now, help us to turn towards you. Father, in those moments when we can see and trust you, Father, we gain strength to stand for those moments where persecution might happen. And so, Father, give us the boldness, the fire, the, the, the trust of the Almighty so that we can take those moments with the people we work with, our family members that we know we need to tell you about or tell about you. Whatever those might be, Father, when you step in, and Father, we turn to you, you get the glory. So Father, thank you for all the situations we're walking through. We believe that you're going to redeem those things and use them for your glory. And Father, we pray over LEFC. We are so blessed by them. Father, they are a church that's speaking your name even right this minute. May they grow and trust you even more. We pray over Tony and his leadership and everyone on staff. May they come closer to the King, just like we're trying to do the same. Father, we believe that through your spirit moving, revival can happen, and we want to be a body of Christ that's ready to respond. And so, Father, help us to get off the recliner of life and into that game where we're stepping into our faith and trust in you even more. Father, we love you, and we need you. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what His Word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.